Welcome to the CPA's Daily Audio Update. My name's Eric. I'm the Communications Officer at the CPA. I'm joined today by Dr. Brent McDonald from Calgary, a psychologist who uh, deals with youth primarily, and he's talking to us about opportunities that have arisen thanks to COVID-19. I'm Dr. Brent McDonald. I'm a registered psychologist in Calgary, Alberta. I saw that you've also uh, suggested, speaking of opportunity, that uh, certainly for youth and school-age youth, Mm college-age youth, uh, that it's an opportunity to experiment with routine. Absolutely. The, um, The population I tend to work with the most are adolescents, young adults, and um, then following that would be children, uh, school-age kids. And almost, and a lot of my practice is around students with complex learning needs, so learning disabilities, ADHD, anxiety, those sorts of things, um, autism spectrum disorder. And for a lot of those kids, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback uh, from the kids saying, this is awesome. Like, they like the fact that their lives are no longer run by bells and schedules and I think that's a fair statement because what else in our lives as adults is run by bells and schedules, right? We don't, we don't follow those kinds of patterns. The kids do like you go in and then the bell rings at 10, 15, you have recess, 10, 30, you come back in and 10, 45, you have math and whatever. We don't have that kind of rigid schedule. So we're allowing children, uh, particularly adolescents, the flexibility to um, take responsibility for their own schedules. Now, some are struggling with that, obviously, um, some are really taking it um, as a positive, but those who are struggling are learning and they're, they're adapting because, again, that's what, that's what humans do is we adapt. So they may not be getting up for their 830 um, you know, uh, physics class, for example, but they're getting up for like they would in normal school, but they're getting up for a 930 uh, Skype session or Zoom session with, with a teacher. Or they're just working later in the day, you know, and that suits their needs much more effectively. Yeah, I've got a college-age kid uh, living here, and he was doing an online test at one thirty in the morning this morning. So, yep. uh, you know, but uh, yep. as long as it gets done, we're good, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I just finished uh, teaching a, a couple of sections of courses here uh, in Calgary. Uh, one was an introductory psych class, and the exam was completely online. They had the time frame they had to do it. And again, they, they adapted and they did fairly well. Um, but the lectures had changed, for example, uh, to online lectures. So they could kind of join a Google Hangout and uh, we would have a, a, essentially a live class. People could come and go as they wanted. They could, we could record it so they'd go back later. And to me as, a, as an educator, gee, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, you lose a little bit in terms of the interaction, but you do gain in the fact that not everyone can make it to class every single class. So there's a recording now they can follow up with. And, right? as, and the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I, I'm just wondering if, as an educator, uh, you think this is going to change the way that uh, you do approach it in the future once this is all over. Well, here's the thing: is I, I really hope that we, not just as an educator, but as a you know as a psychologist and also just a member of society, I hope we really take this uh, crisis right now and turn it into a bit of an opportunity because there's so many different things we can we can restructure in our, in our culture and how we view things. For example, um, you know, to use education, there's a lot of validity to saying, you know, we can do a lot of this online, non-traditional lecture style that will actually enhance the educational experience for a portion of the population, maybe not for all, but for a portion. And why, and I mean, the other component to this is looking at the schools, uh, elementary, junior, and senior highs, um, 
they're going through their growing pains right now, and schools are very unclear what their expectations are and how to communicate that to students and parents. But I'm really hopeful that, you know, we can kind of get back to a core of, you know, what are we trying to do with school and with education? To me, the, the key foundation there is developing positive relationships. That's the key. You, you can't really do much as a teacher if you can have positive relationships with your kids uh, or with your parents and your colleagues. And this is a really good opportunity to really focus on that and take the focus away from all these um, important but really not as relevant uh, curricular strands. So, for example, can we sacrifice a little bit of science for a lot of relationship building? Um, because ultimately that's what's going to be important as we go through. And I think we're finding that right now, too, is that people are um, finding that the relationships are, are what really, truly matter in our uh, ongoing functioning. Not so much do we know this aspect or that aspect of, of science at the grade five level. You know, right. obviously as you get older, it is more important, but uh, and, you do the, and you need those basics. But what are the basics? What are the foundational pieces that are critical um, that we need to address and what are the kind of nice-to-haves? And how, how do you address that uh, right now in this circumstance? How do you build a relationship remotely, online? There's Actually, it's really neat. There's a lot of ways you can do it that are um, less intimidating, and I'm thinking of particularly for uh, clients who have um, anxiety disorders uh, because with anxiety disorders, there's this tendency towards fight or flight. And very often, it's, with the clients I see, very often it's flight. They avoid things that are uncomfortable. Um, so they avoid social situations in real life, but if you will, like face-to-face. Mm -hmm. But they're much more willing to engage uh, through a video camera, right? So if they're engaging online through Skype or Zoom or FaceTime or whatever it might be, they're much more relaxed. They're much more at ease. Uh, they feel comfortable in their own environment. And when we feel comfortable, um, that's when we feel a bit more secure in taking a risk, right? So they would never take a risk in front of their class and ask a question or make a comment, but they will do it online. And I've seen so many of my uh, university students doing that. Um, the, like the last couple of lectures I had, which were online, uh, had a chat function so people could chat in questions without going on camera, without going on the mic. They would just type in a question or a comment. And there were all these people making comments and, and asking questions whose names I was like, I know who you are, but I know you never spoke in class. And here they are contributing, making uh, active contributions to the to the discussion because they just have to type their answer and they don't have to take the risk of uh, um, saying something out loud and, and feeling judged for it. Right. Okay. Uh, now I want to talk about uh, mental toughness. And you've talked a little bit yeah. about developing mental toughness. First, what does it really mean? Well, mental toughness is really about how we face challenge. Um, a lot of people will avoid challenge. A lot of people will embrace challenge. And the example I think of very often when I think about mental toughness is um, people who go up in an airplane and jump out of a perfectly good airplane um, because they want the thrill of skydiving, right? Mm -hmm. Some people, that's how they view it. They, they would view that as a challenge and something fun and something to overcome um, and something to take pride in. Whereas other people would say, not going to happen, not a chance. What is the difference between those kinds of people? Uh, and a lot of this research in mental toughness started with the military and actually started in sports psychology. Uh, why is it that some individual teams on paper uh, look like they're not winners, look like they're, you know, on paper they look pretty horrible, but what pushes them through to become you know, championship level um, 
franchises. So um, the, what mental toughness is, again, is the, the idea of how we face challenge. And there's kind of four components to it, um, referred to as kind of the four C's. So uh, the first is challenge. How do we perceive challenge? The second is commitment, uh, which is to what extent we're willing to do the work necessary to meet that challenge. Control is a third, and that is you know, identifying what is under control, what's not under our control. And the fourth is confidence. And that's our belief in our own personal abilities to face the challenge. So it all ties around challenge, but it's about our uh, confidence. Um, do we believe that we can do it? Our control, is it something we control or is it just happening to us? And our commitment, um, do we ha- have the um, tenacity to do it or are we going to kind of bail on something that's challenging just because we find it challenging? So, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I'm just wondering how you, how you would suggest that uh, in, in this time we build uh, confidence, that we accept the things that we can't control, that we do uh, all of these things in order to build mental toughness. Sure. So um, when it comes to challenge, first of all, we have to look at our current situation uh, like I said earlier, as an opportunity. If we look at this current situation that we're in, in response to the COVID-19 crisis and, and the social or the physical isolation, those kinds of things, um, if we look at this as a miserable uh, experience that we can just barely tolerate, that's going to shade how we view the outcome. But if we look at it as a challenge and an opportunity in particular, where can I develop? How, what's something different I can learn through this experience? For example, um, I know a lot of educators, for example, um, are learning how to use technology in ways they've never used it before. That's an opportunity, right? At the same time, there are some educators who are completely crumbling under this idea of, of using technology because that's not how they've done it in the past. And they've been very kind of rigid in how they do things. So they're not adapting and they're not looking at, they're looking at the challenge as not an opportunity, but it's a crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. So part of it is reframing the idea of challenges and opportunity as opposed to a crisis. Um, in terms of building a sense of control, one, one of the things I recommend to my clients, and you know, I try to think about this too, is um, thinking about or even specifically writing down, because this makes it more of a, a real life activity. Uh, writing down, you know, what we can control, which is basically our skin. <laughs> you know, everything inside right. of our skin. We have some degree of control over. We can't control other people. We can't control, you know, any of the work that's going on in terms of developing a vaccine for the COVID-19 virus. Um, we, we have no control over those things. What do we control? Well, I control what time I get up in the morning. I control what food I ingest. I can control my exercise. I can control uh, my schedule to an extent in terms of seeing clients. You know, these are all things that are, are within my control. Um, other things, you know, um, for example, uh, as a private practitioner, I have a lease. Um, my landlord has not been particularly um, <laughs> forthcoming about what their plan is in terms of lease. I have no control over that. All I can control is the fact that I can write an email saying or inquiring what's happening. That I can control. Um, in terms of confidence, you know, again, as, as a therapist, we talk a lot about positive self-talk. That's a really great way to enhance confidence is focusing on their strengths, and the positive self-talk, because what happens is um, people who um, lack confidence usually find the holes in their their persona. They find all the faults, they find all the problems, and they emphasize those. I'm no good, I'm worthless, there's no point in even trying this, uh, why bother? That's kind of the negative self-talk that people can get into. 
so what I recommend for my clients is to engage in a lot more positive self-talk. And of course, this is pretty basic stuff, but it's really important stuff. Sometimes the most basic stuff is the most important stuff. So, you know, again, identifying what you, you can control and what you're good at, you know, um, and then, you know, uh, build on those. So if you have a, have a stronger sense of confidence, stronger sense of control, then you'll be more apt to be looking at the challenge as, again, an opportunity as opposed to a, to a crisis. Dr. McDonald, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, best of luck in Calgary. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eric, and hope you have a good day there. You're in Ottawa? We're in Ottawa, yes. We've had a little awesome. bit of snow, but not enough that it's still on the ground, so we're a little ahead of you there. Good for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> not so great for us, but we'll, you know, we, as Canadians, we are always curious about each other's weather because I think we always want to know the grass is greener somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And uh, knowing Ottawa, we will have one more giant dump of snow before yeah. it's all over. So we will <laughs> yeah. at some point get out in the backyard and build a snowman during quarantine. Fun times. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much okay. and uh, take Thanks, care. Sir. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye for now.